Hello, and welcome to the Wild Heart Meditation Center podcast. We release these episodes every week on Wednesday mornings, and the best way to support us is by clicking subscribe and taking a moment to rate the podcast wherever you are listening. If you'd like to support our efforts to keep the nonprofit Meditation Center open in Nashville, you can donate via Venmo by sending your donation to at Wild Heart Nashville, or you can make a donation through our website, wildheartmeditationcenter.org, by clicking the Donate tab. Peace and love. Hope you enjoy. These Friday nights, we've been focusing on the Satipatthana Sutta, and this is the original discourse on the four foundations of mindfulness, the original teachings of mindfulness. In the past couple weeks, we have gone over an introduction and an overview of the four foundations of mindfulness. And these four foundations are the first one is mindfulness of body. The second one is mindfulness of feelings. Third one is mindfulness of the mind. The fourth one is mindfulness of, of dhammas, we call it, the teachings of the Buddha. And we'll go into detail through all of these foundations but on this series, we find ourselves in the first foundation of mindfulness, which is mindfulness of body. And last week, Callan did an overview of this foundation. And so tonight, I'm going to go into the first practice that is outlined in this discourse under mindfulness of body, which is mindfulness of breathing. So the intention for this talk is to give clear instructions on to practice mindfulness of breathing and so you know the original instructions that go back 2600 years on this beautiful practice of mindfulness of breathing and I want to give you some of the the whys and the what's in the house right? why do we even want to practice mindfulness of breathing uh, what did the Buddha say about mindfulness of breathing and then how to integrate that into our, our meditation practice. So like, I'm a huge fan of this practice, mindfulness of breathing. It's, it's like mindfulness is like the rock star of modern Buddhism, right? It's everywhere, people love it. And it's like mindfulness of breathing is like the lead singer of the band. So anywhere you go and you get some mindfulness, you're going to get lessons on mindfulness of breathing. You go to any meditation center, they're instructing you on mindfulness of breathing. You go to a yoga spot, they're doing mindfulness of breathing. Even some therapies, they're teaching you about the breath. So there is definitely something to this breath meditation. And from what I take it, some of the old school teachings, uh, the Buddha was very fond of mindfulness of breathing. Uh, from what I take it, it, it was his favorite meditation uh, practice. And to be fair, he's not the one who came up with breath meditation. Breath meditation has been around thousands and thousands and thousands of years for a very long time. And the Buddha definitely gave his input on how to practice mindfulness of breathing in a clear and concise way. So I want to make sure to go through that. But uh, the way we know that the Buddha loved mindfulness of breathing, some of these elaborate ways that he talked about it. You know, a long time ago, the Buddha, he was enlightened master and everybody knew about him and loved him and they loved his teachings. But as he got older, he uh, wasn't able to teach so much. So his younger assistant, Ananda, uh, was the one giving the talks and giving the lessons and giving the instructions. So as he was going around towns, giving the Buddha's dharma, his lessons, um, a group of people were like, you know, like I hear the Buddha is like fully awakened and he's reached the end of suffering, but I still see him meditating. Why would he meditate if he already reached the end of suffering? And Ananda's like, I have no clue why he still meditates. Like, yeah, why would he put like all this hard work into sitting still with the painful body and paying attention to his breath? Why, why would he ever want to do any of that? That's a good question. So the, Ananda took the group over to see the Buddha so they can get the answer from him directly. So they go to the Buddha and they're like, hey, if you're enlightened, why do you still meditate? And they also asked, what do you meditate on, right? And he goes, oh, I meditate on the breath. Because the breath is a divine abiding. It's a divine abiding. And typically we reserve that fancy, elaborate 
romantic phrase, divine abiding, for the heart practices, the Brahma Viharas. So the divine abidings typically we call loving kindness and compassion and sympathetic joy and equanimity. But the Buddha said, really, mindfulness of breathing is just as much as a beautiful heart practice as any of loving kindness and compassion and joy and equanimity. So this attitude towards mindfulness of breathing that the Buddha's offering has really affected my practice. That mindfulness of breathing is really an act of love. That all of the practices of the heart exist in this very breath. There is love in this breath. You breathe in, you breathe out. That very act, you can touch into love directly. And for me, love, you know, love can be a very confusing concept. And I feel like a lot of my own practice is trying to figure out what the hell that word love means. But what I've found is I think love is a synonym for connection. When I feel connected with somebody, oh, yeah, I love that person. When I hear a song and it hits me, I feel connected with the song. Oh, I love that song, right? I feel connected with the pad thai as I'm eating it, right? And so when we connect with the breath, we are connecting with the present time experience and we are resting in the presence of love. And I want to emphasize this, not in a way to crave mindfulness of breathing, but to offer you that this is available to you here and now. Because so much of my early practice was gloom and doom, what they call grimpasana, you know, that grim vipassana stuff. You know, dukkha, 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 dukkha suffering. And, you know, being riddled with that uh, suffering and uh, obsessed with that suffering and self-identified with that suffering, sometimes it's good to know there's a way out. And to be fair, I think we all have to go through that first noble truth of suffering and knowing it directly. We all have to have our hearts broken, maybe even further than broken, stomped on and shit on and thrown out the fucking window, right? Like, it hurts. Life hurts. And when we know that so directly, we go, where else can I go? Oh, the breath. So I, I like offering this as a way to know that there is a reliable refuge here and now from suffering. Because um, why we practice this mindfulness is outlined in the Satipatthana. And I said it, uh, I think, two, three weeks ago. I was going through this... Uh, this refrain. And in this refrain, he says that we practice this for the disappearance of dukkha and for the realization of nibbana. So uh, to translate those words, uh, for the disappearance of suffering and the realization of awakening. So sometimes when we think about awakening, it's this large goal, this lofty thing that's off in the future. But the future isn't real. The future is a fantasy. The thought of the future is just a thought. It's not the future. There is no future. So if we want awakening, it's here and now. So that breath can show us the freedom here and now. As you breathe in, there is no suffering. As you breathe out, there is no suffering. And when you stay awake with the breath, that is the ending of dukkha. But what happens? We fall asleep. Whoop! We're lost into the stress of the mind, the craving for the future, the resentment of the past, and then we go, oh, remember to come back with the breath. Oh, no suffering in this moment. Oh, we're back off into suffering land in the thinking mind, and then come back. And that's kind of what meditation is, right? But at some point, not that we destroy the thoughts, but we just take them less personally. When we are in the presence of a thought as a thought, rather than, you know, believing everything we think. And so that's the gift of mindfulness of breathing. We break the addiction and attachment and the craving for the thinking mind, and we take it less personally. And that is the beauty of this awakening. So um, due to time, I'm just going to go right into what the Buddha taught on this practice of mindfulness of breathing. And I'll, I'll go into a little bit of detail for the Dharma geeks in this. Um, and like I said before, that this tradition is passed down orally. That for a very long time, 
they never wrote anything down. So he was giving these discourses and just reciting them and people just kept on memorizing them. And it wasn't until about 500 years after the Buddha's death before anybody actually wrote it down. So there's such an importance and reverence to almost every single word. And that's kind of what we're doing here on Friday nights. We're going through every single word because people have passed this down for thousands of years in such detail. Let's honor that. So um, moving on where we're at, the first foundation of mindfulness, entering into mindfulness of breathing. And this discourse starts... Um, it says, and how, monks, does one in regard to the body abide contemplating the body, here gone to a forest, or to the root of the tree, or to an empty hut, one sits down, have folding their legs crosswise, sets their body erect, and establishing mindfulness in front of them. Mindful one breathes in, mindful one breathes out. So this is the first part of this mindfulness of body. And I want to go over this a little bit. So uh, how do we practice mindfulness? It starts with this question, how do we do this? And then the first part, it says, gone to a tree, root, I mean, gone to a forest, root of a tree, or an empty hut. So we want to find a location for meditation. And this is the beginning of what, what in the secular mindfulness world they call formal meditation. And formal meditation, that's when we're sitting, that's where we're very purposely still, but informal meditation is when we're mindful out in the activities and driving and eating and walking and living our lives. But in this uh, discourse, we're starting with formal meditation, sitting meditation. And so we want to find the proper environment for sitting meditation, forest or under a tree or in a hut. And um, this is currently our, our empty hut. Um, and I think it's kind of like cool to have a space that's just made for meditation. Like something in my body knows, okay, time to meditate. And even in my home, and if you haven't done this, you may want to do this, I have my meditation spot. And I see that spot every single day, and that's kind of like, you know, lack of a better term, my sacred space for meditation. That's my contemplative spot. And when I sit there, my body knows, okay, time to take it inward, time to take some me time to meditate. So finding a spot suitable for meditation is good. And different traditions teach this in different ways. You may notice uh, we practice in a tradition that is totally okay with loud, noisy environments. So uh, practicing with sound is part of our practice here. So hearing uh, what we call the cars outside the waves of sound is actually really helpful for our mindfulness. But I have also practiced in traditions where you put in earplugs and then you uh, put on a mask so you can't see either. So uh, sometimes that's helpful too. <laughs> so finding a proper place to meditate, finding your spot. Um, and then uh, this one, try not to get too uptight about this one. One sits down having folded their legs crosswise, set body erect and establishing mindfulness in front of them. Um, you could take this in whatever way you want to take it. Obviously here, we're cool with chairs, right? In the time of the Buddha, how did people sit uh, with their legs crossed? So he's saying, sit down, right? So whether you want to take this literally or just as, hey, it's okay to sit down. Me personally, I've had a lot of benefit from sitting down with my spine erect and with my legs folded crosswise. A little bit of pain is helpful for mindfulness, uh, a little bit. When I first started meditating, I, my teacher says, no, you, you know, you can do this. Go sit with your legs crossed, sit with your body upright. You can do this. And damn, was that painful. I would sit in like 20 minutes and just hurt and hurt and hurt. And then the, ring, the bell would ring and then I'd be like, that was awesome. When can I do that again? Right? And so, so having a little bit of pain in your body and finding a way to tolerate some pain in your body, I think is, is helpful because when we find a way to tolerate the pain in our body, we find a way to tolerate the pain out in the world. So I personally like uh, my legs crossed. And another thing, like I said, the, the body memory, if I sit with my legs crossed, my mind goes, oh, time to meditate. The other thing, though, uh, let's not be ridiculous, that we all have different physical capabilities. It's not necessary to sit with your legs crossed. It's helpful to sit with your spine erect, not completely necessary. Uh, 
So um, not turning this into another arena for self-judgment. Oh no, the Buddha said I have to sit with my legs crossed. I'm meditating wrong. I can't meditate, blah, 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 blah. Note that thought, come back to your breath and sit whatever way feels right for you. <laughs> All right. And then uh, establishing mindfulness in front of you. Mindful one breathes in, mindful one breathes out. So this line I feel like is important because uh, where do you focus on the breath? How do you know that you're breathing? And in this, it says it's in front of you. Notice how the breath exists in front of you. The breath doesn't exist behind your back. It doesn't exist in the right, the left. It's in front of you. So mindfully notice the breath in front of you. Because certain traditions will teach you focus on this point of the breath. Um, I think it's Goenka talks about how there's like a triangle right under your nose. So try to focus the, on the triangle right under your nose or, or uh, focus on the rising and falling of your stomach, your abdomen. Someone will teach that. Um, I traditionally was taught and just out of habit, I still do it, breathing in through my nose and then out through my throat. Um, and so that's a comfortable one for me. In this tradition, we just, we just say wherever you feel the breath most easily, and the nose, the throat, the mouth, the chest, the belly. However you, way you know that you're breathing right now, just gather your awareness and place it on that point. And, and that's kind of a helpful instruction for me because the Buddha wasn't very uh, strict on focusing on where in the body you're breathing. Just know it's in front of you. Just know the breath in front of you. And then the next paragraph, breathing in long, one knows. I breathe in long, breathing out long, one knows, I breathe out long, breathing in short, one knows, I breathe in short, breathing out short, one knows, I breathe out short. So with this, breathing in and out long, that's where we're starting. The, uh, these instructions here aren't controlling the breath. You know, sometimes you do breath work, and I, I introduced a little bit with loving kindness, and it's, sometimes it's nice to start with a few deep in and out breaths, but in this instructions, we're not trying to control the breath. And I think that's very on purpose, because sometimes we think I am the one meditating, and we get so obsessed with the technique, and then we end up self-identifying with our practice, rather than just letting go of the self and letting the practice be the practice. So it says just know the breath. Not control the breath, not manipulate the breath, just know the breath. And if it's long, know that it's long. If it's short, know that it's short. Don't control it, just let it be. Let it be. And if you are somebody that controls your breath just habitually, that's okay. Just know that the controlling of the breath is there. That's okay. That still, if you judge yourself, oh, I'm meditating wrong because I'm controlling my breath, well, come back, come back. And what I notice, sometimes I do control my breath when I'm meditating, be patient. About 20 minutes into my meditation, I'm no longer controlling it. It's just going back to its natural rhythm. So just be patient. And then um, after that, um, what I want to, well, I want to focus on how we go from long to short. And this is kind of uh, important to me. So a long breath, generally when we start meditating, our breath is pretty long. So that's why he started this with a long breath. In our day-to-day -day life, we have longer breaths than when we start settling down in meditation. So when we start settling down in meditation, the breath gets shorter and more refined. And when that happens, we're moving on to the next stage. It says, one trains thus. I, I shall breathe experiencing the whole body. One trains thus, I shall breathe out, experiencing the whole body. And so this is a movement from knowing the breath, you know the long breath, you know the short breath, to training with the breath. And this is a little bit of discrepancy here, that uh, I shall breathe in experiencing the whole body. What does that mean? And I have uh, been on retreat at monasteries with lovely old Buddhist nuns, and watch them debate this. What does that mean? And it's so lovely to be in these Dharma debates. What does experiencing the whole body mean? Some, my teacher, Venerable Paniwadi, says experiencing the whole body of the breath. Not the whole body here, the whole body here. 
So the breathing in, you're experiencing the whole inhalation, and then the points in between, the whole body, the, the in-between points, that body of the breath, and then the out-breath. And experiencing the fullness, not just in, not mindful, out, not mindful. Even the points in between, the body of it. And that's been helpful for me. And mindfulness of this body as I breathe has been extremely helpful for me too. So this is the discrepancy, and I wanted to say both are right in my practice. Breathing in, feeling the body, doing a body scan with the breath, breathing out, feeling the body, doing a body scan with the exhalation is extremely helpful too. But this is a training. So what the idea is you may have to put a little bit of effort to see these intricate things arising in the breath and these intricate things in the body. So he, that's why he says, train thus. This is our training. Paying attention to the breath. And then, um, one trains thus, I shall breathe in calming the bodily formation. One trains thus, I shall breathe out calming the bodily formation. And this is where it gets pretty beautiful. It gets pretty wonderful. That there is a, a calm abiding, a divine calm abiding when it comes to mindfulness of breathing when you get to this point. So the way we calm the body is by staying with the breath. Sometimes we can feel like I'm going to force myself to be calm. Calm body, soften body, I'm going to do this. But the way we do this is pay attention to the breath. If your body is not calm, go back to the breath. Just keep coming back to the breath. The body will calm itself down. And when we do this, like I said, the breath will get more refined. And in this calming state, it's what arises is what we call PT. PT is a sense of blissfulness that arises. You know, in our tradition, sometimes we, we dismiss blissfulness, but I love blissfulness. And when we pay attention to the breath, and we calm, and the breath gets so refined, we may just lose track of the breath completely. Oh no, how do I practice mindfulness of breathing? My breath is so short, I can't notice it. And this is when you look into your body and notice if there's any sense of tingling, any sense of, of that uh, pleasant energy in the body. And so when we get to that point, uh, a lot of times in the hands, I'll have a tingling in my hands. So when the breath gets so short that I can't even notice it, I'll move my awareness to the hands. Sometimes it'll be in the shoulders or in the heart space is a really sweet one to feel this. But just notice when you get that calm, See if you can feel that sense of tingling. And then take your awareness and put it at that point. And then when you take your awareness and put it at a pleasant point in your body, something happens. You love it. The mind says, oh, this is delightful. And what you focus on gets bigger. And so this is like a positive feedback loop. You know, like feedback, you put, if I put the microphone on the, on the speaker, that, that loop will happen and it'll start making that loud screeching noise. So this is what happens in a pleasant way. When you put your awareness on a pleasant sensation, a calm sensation, it will naturally feed back and it will grow and grow and grow and your mind will love this. And what happens is what we call sukha, the opposite of dukkha. Sukha happens and your mind is so happy, <laughs> so happy to be in meditation. And then you're worried about work tomorrow, and it's all gone. And then you start the process over. So this is the practice of, of, of mindfulness of breathing and the way I practice it. It's a pleasant abiding. It's a delightful practice. And this mindfulness of breathing shows us that there is a happiness uh, born of seclusion. Uh, I, I always liked that, that the Buddha said, there's a happiness born of seclusion. Um, and when I first heard this, I thought, oh, yeah, I have to go carve out a cave in the Himalayas and ignore the world. I'm totally down with that. I, just fuck the world. I'm out, you know. <laughs> but that's not what he's saying. It's seclusion from the hindrances in the mind. <laughs> uh, the, the hindrance of greed, hatred, restlessness, uh, lethargy, and doubt. These are the things that kill our practice. These are the representations of Mara that... When we're in meditation, what takes us away from that happiness born of seclusion? Hatred. Oh, I'm annoyed. Oh, I'm in pain. I hate that pain. Oop, you're gone. Come back. Come back to the breath. Come back to this happiness. And oh, greed arises. Oh, I gotta, you know, 
do this, do that. I gotta eat more pad thai. I'm really on this pad thai kick. And then I'm thinking about pad thai, poop, gone. So more and more when we stay with the breath and we get a seclusion from those hindering thoughts. And the more and more we stay with that happiness in here, those, those thoughts of hindrances will not be there because we'll be in sukha, we'll be in that happy mind state. And it's like, oh, this is so delightful. I'm having such a great time meditating. And that just naturally happens through uh, focusing on the breath. Um, a few things about uh, practice, though. Um, one thing I feel like uh, is always go important to go over is thoughts. It happens over and over again, and it happens to me too. Uh, we believe thoughts are the problem. That focus on the breath, a thought arises, and you're like, Ugh, why won't that thought go away? And now you're in hate, and now you're even further away from uh, concentrating. You're, you're allowed to think. It's okay. It's okay to think. But simply have some wisdom to know that's just a thought. A thought is a thought. Nothing more, nothing less. Knowing the thought is the same as a sight. Same as a sensation on the body, same as a smell, same as a taste, it's a thought. So try not to take the thought so personally. And what happens is um, sometimes we'll still have a very rambunctious mind, but through mindfulness of breathing, the thoughts will be like over here, kind of wispy, and they may be rambunctious, and they may be rude, they may be a lot of things, but if you have the breath at center stage and allow the thoughts to be on the side, that's totally that's allowed. <laughs> You're allowed to think. But keep trying to put the breath at center stage and let the thoughts be at the side stage. And then as thoughts come to the center stage, finding a way to get them to go back to the side stage. And this is what I want to go through, some of the aids that may help us get the breath to be the rock star, to be the lead singer, to be the center stage. Some of the aids that helped me, and this is outlined in the Vasudhi Maga, the, the commentaries on these practices, um, counting the breath. And so when you breathe in, you breathe out, one. Breathing in, breathing out, two. Breathing in, breathing out, three. And you do that all the way to 10, and when you get to 10, remember to start over at one. And, and we count each exhalation. And that's a, I love that practice, but I love it so much so that I started to do, I did it today in my morning meditation. I breathe in one and then breathe out. Breathe in two and breathe out. All the way to 10 on counting the inhalation. And then I start over and counting the exhalation to 10. And then I breathe in, counting to nine <laughs> on the inhalation, and then breathing out, counting to nine. Breathing in, counting to eight, all the way to one. So I count up, count down, and then I start over. And it's, a, it's an awesome practice to develop a, a deep sense of concentration. And then when uh, I feel that sense of PT arise, I stop counting the breath and go to the PT. Um, another way, though, uh, we may want to train the mind to be full of ease. Um, so bringing in a sense of gratitude at first. So bringing in gratitude to the triple gem, the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, bringing gratitude to the teachings. This has been passed down 2,600 years. Bringing in gratitude to having a place to meditate, having friends here to meditate with, having gratitude for your life, the socks on your feet, the pants on your ass, whatever you got bring gratitude towards it. And sometimes that's like, yeah, I'm safe. And then in, when we bring mindfulness of breathing, we can bring in uh, loving kindness. So breathing in, breathing out ease. Breathing in, breathing out peace. Breathing in, breathing out gentle. Breathing in, breathing out kind. So even bringing in loving kindness phrases can help us settle into some concentration. Because really what takes us away from the breath is a lot of fear. I'm afraid. I gotta go, I gotta go tend to this thing. Or I gotta go get rid of this thing. Yeah, come back, ease in this moment. Peace and gentleness in this moment. And um, 
Yeah, I think I have. I think I want to end it there. I think I can go on and on about the beauty of mindfulness of breathing, but I want to give you all plenty of time to practice, and then I'll leave a little bit of time at the end for any um, discussions. You know, if you notice something arising in your meditation, welcome it in. So note anything in your meditation. Um, I'm going to give light guidance. Um, so any of these um, aids, if you feel like counting the breath is a good aid for you, um, go with counting the breath. Or if you feel like loving kindness with the breath, go with that. Or if you're like, no, I don't want to do any aids. If I just want to stay with the breath in and out, uh, that's helpful too. Before we do this, any questions about the practice before we go through it? simple it's when you breathe in know you're breathing in when you breathe out know you're breathing out that's all you got to do so finding that posture that the Buddha offered us to find a way to sit that supports mindfulness that we said having the body erect finding a way to influence stillness not that we have to enforce or demand stillness, just finding a way to sit that allows the body to rest. And if it feels right for you, having the eyes closed. And just taking time to arrive into the space. Allowing all the sounds and the smells and the air on the skin to welcome us into this environment. And bringing in a sense of gratitude that we have this space to meditate together in. the awareness inward into the body and just scanning throughout the body observing this body being aware of any energies impulses activities within the body Noticing there is a body, not my body, but the body. Loosening the grip on this body. And just allowing the body to rest in your seat. Nothing to fix or control. Allow the body to rest. And notice how this body is breathing all on its own. Feeling the breath coming and going. Whether that's in the nose, the throat, the mouth, the chest, the belly. Just feeling this breath in front of you. 
following the very simple instructions as you breathe in, know that you're breathing in. And as you breathe out, know that you're breathing out. Rather quickly, you may notice the mind wandering into the stories, the judgments, the past, the future. When you notice the mind has wandered, simply guiding your awareness back to the breath and developing a sense of curiosity. Is that a long breath, a short breath, a cool breath, a warm breath, an in-breath, an out-breath? begin to become interested in this breath. be helpful to incline the mind towards an attitude of appreciation for this breath. This beautiful breath, this wonderful friend that everything we've ever gone through, the breath was there with us. And everything we will go through, the breath will be there with us. Oh, this friendly companion, this good old friend, the breath. Every time we get lost in the thinking mind, just know your good friend, the breath, will be there to welcome you back over and over again. So after taking time to become acquainted with this breath, see if you can 
develop an even deeper sense of curiosity by experiencing the fullness of the breath. Feeling when the breath becomes the inhalation and when it becomes the exhalation and the points in between. Naturally, the thinking mind will take hold. That's okay. We don't need to destroy or end our thought. Just remember the breath is here. And letting the breath take center stage over and over again. And knowing a thought is a thought. Nothing more, nothing less. That's a thought. Come back to the breath with friendliness and ease.
so as the breath settles, the mind settles, the body settles, becoming curious if any of this PT arises, this pleasant sensation within the body be felt in the feet, the hands, the heart, the shoulders, the face. If you feel any of these pleasant tingling sensations, shift your awareness at that point and attempt to stay with the pleasurable sensation. And if it's not there or it goes away, just go back to the breath. No big deal. Thank you.